Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. You know, loss is one of life's most stressful events. It takes time to heal, and everyone responds differently to loss. We may need help to cope with the changes in our lives. Grief, well, that's part of being human. But that doesn't mean we have to go through the journey alone. Grief, sometimes referred to as bereavement, is the experience of loss. And many people associate grief with the death of an important person or a pet. However, people experience grief after any important loss, such as the loss of a job or, or, or a relationship, and they respond differently. There's grief after the diagnosis of an illness or, or a health problem. And many times people experience grief in different ways and they experience many different thoughts or, or, or feelings during that whole grief journey. Sometimes people feel sh shocked or sad or angry or scared or, or anxious. Some feel numb and just have a hard time feeling emotions at all. At times... Many people even feel relief or peace after a loss. You see, because grief is complicated. There's no one way to experience grief. Feelings, thoughts, reactions, and challenges related to grief, well, they're very personal. People express or, or talk about grief in in different ways, but we all feel grief after a loss. In, in most cases, people navigate through grief without, without help from loved ones and other supporters, and in time, they just go back to their daily living. And some people, well, they need extra help from a professional because grief can be more complicated if the loss is sudden or unexpected. A person's experience of mental illness or lack of personal and social supports and, and difficult personal relationships can also affect the impact of grief in our lives. Well, according to the Canadian Mental Health Association, here are some tips to help you through your grief journey. They say connect with caring and supportive people. This might include loved ones, neighbors, co-workers, it could also include a church group or a community organization. Now give yourself enough time. You see, everyone reacts differently to a loss, and there is no normal grieving period. Let yourself feel that sadness, anger, or whatever it is you need to feel. Find healthy ways to share your feelings and express yourself, such as uh, talking with friends or, or or sometimes just writing it out in a journal. Recognize that your life has changed. You may now feel less engaged with work or relationships, and that may go on for some time. That's a natural part of loss and of grieving. Reach out for help. You see, loved ones, they may want to give you privacy and may not feel comfortable asking you how you're doing. So, so don't be afraid to ask for their support. Now, holidays and other important days can be very hard. It could be helpful to plan ahead, maybe 
develop some new traditions or celebrations that will support your healing. And take care of your physical health. Be aware of any physical signs of stress or illness and speak with your doctor if you feel that your grief is affecting your health physically. Offer support to other loved ones who are grieving. Interestingly enough, they say that reaching out to others may be helpful as you go through your own grieving journey. Uh, be honest with young people about what has happened, about how you feel, and encourage them to, to share their feelings also. Work through difficult feelings like bitterness and blame. These feelings will make it harder for you to move forward in your life. Make a new beginning. As the feelings of grief become less and less intense, well, return to your interests and your activities that you may have dropped and, and think about maybe even trying something new. And think about waiting before you make major life decisions. You may feel differently as your feelings of grief lose their intensity and the changes may add to the stress you're already experiencing. Now, much of the book of 1 Thessalonians is about giving instructions. You see, the Christian believers in the city of Thessalonica, well, they were facing persecution. In spite of this, that Thessalonian church appeared to be a faithful community of believers. Well, the Apostle Paul, the author of 1 and 2 Thessalonians, often praises them for their faithfulness and their holy living and their generosity. Yet he also wants to make sure that they're thoroughly instructed in the issues of the faith because he knows that they will come under great pressure from the surrounding society. So he advises them. He says to them, keep away from promiscuity. Follow Christ's example of holiness. Work hard to support yourself. Live at peace with your neighbors. Now, the first half of chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians teaches the believers in Thessalonica how to live as Christians. But the second half of chapter 4 teaches them how to die as Christians. And here is where Paul's attitude is so much healthier than our own. You see, we all crave instructions on how to live better, but rarely do we give much thought to the question of well, how to die better. In fact, in many cases, we'd rather just avoid the subject altogether. But Paul writes, he says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who have fallen asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. You see, dying is an important part of living. So I'm going to invite you to spend a few moments with me thinking about this unique event in a human experience. You see, there's a healthy and if you will, an unhealthy way to grieve. When someone we love dies, it hurts. And, and, and sometimes that hurt is just overwhelming. We call the process of dealing with that hurt, we call it grief. Again, according to the mental 
Canadian Mental Health Association. They say mourning and the complex stages of the grieving process are necessary. Even though the present is felt to be intolerably painful, it is healthy and normal for a bereaved person to experience intense emotions and swift mood changes. These are natural reactions to loss. It takes time to heal. The period of grieving depends upon the situation and varies greatly from person to person. Grieving is not a weakness. It is a necessity and refusing to grieve is not courageous and may cause you great deal of harm later on. You see, Paul gives the same advice. Paul doesn't say not to grieve. What he says is, don't grieve as those who have no hope. Because grief, as we've seen, is a natural part of losing a loved one to death. A healthy person must grieve, as I mentioned earlier. But how do we help others who are going through the mental, the grieving process? And once again, referring to the Canadian Mental Health Association, they provide the following suggestions to help us support someone else who is grieving. First, it says, one of the most important things you can do is simply be there for your loved one. Grief can feel overwhelming, but support and understanding can make a huge difference. Understand that a loved one needs to follow their own journey in their own way and express feelings in their own way. Ask your loved one what they need and regularly remind them that you're there for support if they're ready to talk with others yet. Talk about the loss. It's common to avoid the topic and focus on a loved one's feelings instead, but many people, they find that sharing thoughts and memories and stories are helpful or even comforting. Remember that grief may be bigger than the loss. For example, someone who loses a partner may also experience a lot of fear or stress around you know, financial insecurity and, and other important matters. Include your loved ones in social events. Even if they decline, it's important to show that they are still an important member of your community. Help your loved ones connect with support services if they experience a lot of difficulties. And take care of your own well-being and seek extra help for yourself if you need it. The Apostle Paul, near the end of this passage, says, Comfort one another with these words. Comfort each other, he says, by talking about death. Yeah, that's exactly what he means. Talk about it. Vent your emotions. Express your fears. Ponder the, 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 the mysteries, but emphasize the hope. Let's return to our Bible passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. 
You see, this is the reality of death for the followers of Jesus Christ. Death hurts. It hurts bad. But death is not the end. The Bible says we will be raised up one day to eternal life and we will be with the Lord forever. John chapter 11 tells us the story of Lazarus and of his illness and, and his death. You see, among some of the most steadfast of Christ's disciples was Lazarus of Bethany. Right there from their very first meeting, his faith in Jesus had been quite strong. His love for Jesus was deep, and he was loved by the Savior. And it was for Lazarus that Christ's greatest miracle, one of his greatest miracles, if not the greatest, was performed. You see, Jesus would often come to Lazarus' home. He'd come there to rest. Jesus didn't have his own home. He was dependent upon the hospitality of friends and, and, and disciples. And on many occasions, he would escape to Lazarus' house, to that peaceful oasis, away from the suspicion, away from the jealousy of the angry Pharisees. You see, because in Lazarus' house, he could speak with simplicity. He could speak with perfect freedom, knowing that his words would not be misunderstood, but rather they would be treasured. Now, one day, the Bible says, Jesus got word that Lazarus was not well. John chapter 11 and verse 3 tells us, the sisters sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Well, they believed that Jesus would sympathize with them in their distress. They thought, well, he's going to come immediately. He's going to respond. And so they waited anxiously for Jesus to come or for him at least to send word. So as long as Lazarus was alive, they prayed and they watched for Jesus to come. But the messenger returned without Jesus. When Lazarus died, well, they were bitterly disappointed. But they didn't place any blame on Jesus. After two days, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go to Judea again, for our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. You see, this is the other side of faith. We will not forever feel forsaken. You see, Christ may linger in another place for a long time, or so it seems, but his absence is temporary. Jesus has not forgotten us. He hadn't forgotten them. When he arrives, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for some four days. There was, there was absolutely no life left in Lazarus. Martha, the Bible says, rushes out to meet Jesus. Her heart is troubled by these conflicting emotions. She, when she sees Jesus, the look on his face portrayed this, this tenderness and this, and this love that, that had always been there for them. Her confidence was unbroken 
but she thought of her brother, the one that Jesus had loved. And with this grief just sort of surging in her heart because Jesus had not come before, but yet with hope that even now he could do something to comfort them. She said, she said Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. You see, Martha was this person of extraordinary faith. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Well, Martha answers, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, yes, Lord, Martha told him. I believe you are the Christ. I believe you are the Son of God who has come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. She said, the teacher is here. He's asking for you. Well, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell at his feet and she said exactly the same thing her sister Martha had said. Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw that she was weeping and, and those who had come along with her, they were also weeping, he was deeply moved. Where have you laid him, he asked. Well, come and see, Lord, they replied. The Bible says Jesus wept. We love that verse, don't we? It saved many of us when we were young, when we were asked to recite our favorite Bible verse, Jesus wept, the shortest verse in the Bible. But it is also one of the most powerful. It says Jesus wept. Real tears. Just like we cry real tears when we're hurting, He cried real tears. To know that Jesus cares, that He enters into our pain, and feels our suffering, well, that's at the heart of my faith. You see, there's an important lesson here. When people are in grief, they don't want theological pronouncements. They just want us to come and to love them. They want us to come and to cry with them. Jesus wept with those he loved, and he still does. He still hurts with us. He feels our pain. We all face suffering sometime, and when it comes, one thing we can know for sure is that our Lord Jesus is hurting along with us, and he's going to love us through it. He will walk through the valley with us, and in time, he's going to bring us out of the valley of sorrow to the mountaintop on the other side. Jesus wept with those he loved, and he still does. You know, the friends that were standing around there, you know, said, well, see how much Jesus loved him? But some of them that were there said, well, could, could, could not he have opened the eyes of the blind man, have kept this man from dying? Jesus, again, moved 
deeply moved. He comes to the tomb. It, it, it was a cave. And a big stone had been laid across the entrance. He says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, by this time there's going to be a bad odor for, for he's been in there for four days. Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, the Bible says, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. You know, I've heard someone comment on this passage saying, if Jesus hadn't limited that command to Lazarus, every corpse in the graveyard would have come forth. But Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and his feet are wrapped with with strips of linen and a cloth is around his faith. And Jesus says to them, take off the grave clothes, let him go. What an amazing story. After four days in the tomb, Jesus raised a dead man from the grave. You see, resurrection is a present reality, not this futuristic fantasy. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, said that this is the central claim of Christianity, that Christ's own resurrection and his power to raise others is absolutely critical for the Christian faith. Paul says, if the resurrection is not true, then Christianity is meaningless. And if it is true, well, only then do we have reason to hope for the future. But that hope is not born in times of celebration and rejoicing. Hope is born of grief and sorrow given, by, given birth by a man well acquainted with grief and sorrow who weeps with us. Resurrection hope didn't come to a bunch of folks who were rejoicing and triumphant. It came to folks who were at the end of their rope, who were shaking their heads saying, I don't know, Lord, I just don't know. And through the tears and the weariness, through fear and through confusion, through the disorientation of grief, through arms reaching out to feel their way in the darkness, resurrection came. It came because our God is a God who breathes new life even into dry, dead bones. It came because with God, all things are possible. It came because God, he really is love. Where is our hope in the face of death? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. That's where our hope is. God can bring new life even in the midst of death. God invites each of us, everyone, everywhere to come to a new life in Jesus Christ. Because you see, God is not willing to let death have the last word.
but in order to be witnesses to the resurrection, we must walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Despite our questions, despite our doubts, we just go on believing. Death stinks. It still stinks. But we struggle to roll away the tombstones, to help one another remove the wrappings of death that bind us all in one way or another. And we, of all people, should know that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we, who are alive and remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Let us pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus cries in our sorrow, loves us, supports us, guides and protects us. Father, I pray a special blessing on those that right now are going through this grieving process. Comfort, draw near to them. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that part of our program where we share with you the resources that we're offering on this broadcast, resources for your spiritual library. And today, I have two little um, brochures, little handouts, little pamphlets, if you want. One is called Life After Loss. The loss of a loved one brings devastating grief, but there is hope. And the other one is this, Keys to Happiness, Life After Death, Your Questions Answered. If you'd like to receive both of these brochures, here's the information you need to get them. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at 1-800-972-0337. Well, thank you so much for watching us. We've come to the end of another program. This goes by so fast. I want to remind you of the website, l4ltv.com. Many things on the website, including a donate tab, which allows you to invest your financial resources in this ministry so others can hear this good news. I also want to remind you of our missionnowcanada.com website. 
Mission Now Canada is the part of our ministry that deals with overseas mission work. Check that out. Hope to be able to do this again next week. Why not join us? Until then, God bless you. We'll see you back here again.